Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts this morning be pleasing in your sight, uh, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, our society, especially in recent years, has become kind of obsessed with personal growth. Do you feel like that's a thing? Do you, do you hear a lot about this personal growth, investing in yourself? Uh, I found this uh, graphic that I think just kind of sums the whole thing up. So here it is. It says the best investment you can make is in yourself. And then it breaks it down. Exercise regularly, learn to save and invest, and set yourself goals. But the overall idea, I think this just makes a ton of sense that Life is busy. Like we talked about this in Bible study, whoever was here before church, that there's so many things going on. There's so many stresses. There's so many responsibilities that when you look at your life, you're tempted to just start doing stuff like as fast and frantically as possible. And you're just running 100 miles an hour and just doing stuff. And you go and go and go. And then at a certain point, you run out of fuel and you're going to crash and burn if you're just doing stuff as fast as you can. And when you do crash and burn, it's not going to be pretty. And so it's far better, it's far wiser to slowly and strategically invest in yourself, right? Make sure you have the tools that you need to get your work done. Make sure that you have the fuel that you need to keep yourself going. Make sure that you have the support network that you need to keep yourself grounded and focused. And then when you strategically crank your life up to a faster, higher speed, it's actually going to be sustainable. Right? Because you're supported and you're fueled. So let me give you a few examples. And both of these are work-related because that's just how people tend to talk about personal growth. It's like short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. So in the short term, it might be tempting to stay at the mediocre job that you've got, the job that you know, and you're working a lot of hours and you're barely paying rent, but at least you're doing it and just keep on going. When strategically, long-term, it may be wiser to go back to school to study for a certain degree, to get some job training and give yourself the tools you need, even if you have to take on a loan, perhaps, because that ultimately, in the long run, sets you up with the skills that you need for a much better job, a much more sustainable job, right? So long-term thinking versus short-term thinking is invest in yourself instead of just paying your bills week by week. Here's another example, also from the working world. Let's say you do have just a super like productive, top-level job, the dream job that you want. You have an awesome job. Uh, there's a temptation in the short term to work 80 hours a week at your job and just power hit it, right? And climb up the corporate ladder and, and make a ton of money and crush it. And in the short term, that feels great. But then as you do it longer and longer and longer, you're gonna get burned out. And so people are recognizing it's much wiser to invest in your physical health. And it's much wiser to make sure you're taking care of your mental and emotional health and make sure that you're taking care of your relationships and trying to maintain your integrity so that you don't, for example, get a divorce in your 40s and then die of a massive heart attack in your 50s because the only thing you ever did your entire life was work 80 hours a week and stress about work. And I think maybe in younger generations we're seeing this discussion more and more because we've seen it. We've seen what can happen when there's not balance and so there's this strong emphasis on personal growth, investing in yourself. 
And it just makes sense because no one else is going to live your life for you. No one else has your responsibilities and your job and your family to take care of. These are the things that you have to do. And so someone's got to take care of you and make sure you have the fuel and make sure you have the balance so that you're ready to do it sustainably and successfully. So it makes sense. The whole personal growth emphasis, it just makes sense. It's wise. It's wisdom. But here is now my question for you guys this morning. What would it look like to apply that wisdom to our spiritual life? Where we want to invest in ourself and make sure it's sustainable. What would it look like to apply that wisdom to our spiritual life? Because as Christians, we have goals, and we have responsibilities, and we have things that we're trying to accomplish. In fact, that's been the focus of the whole sermon series we've been doing the last month and a half It's called It's About Time, and it's about using our time wisely. So as Christians, we want to wisely recognize we have a finite amount of time in this world, and so we want to use that time wisely and well. We want to worship God, not just on Sundays, but all the time and all the things that we do, right? We said we're living sacrifices to God every day. We want to share the gospel of Jesus with the whole world so that many people can find peace and forgiveness in Jesus and be with us in heaven one day. There are things that we want to do. There are responsibilities that we have as Christians. But how can we do these things if we are neglecting our own spiritual needs? Quite simply, we can't. And that is the message of Jesus in our sermon text today. He's basically saying, I know you want to live for God. I know you want to be a blessing to your world. I know you want to live this kind of life. But if you're going to do this, Jesus wants us to have the tools that we need to be successful and the fuel that we need to keep on going and the network of relationships and support that we need so that we can stay grounded so that our Christian life will not be a burnout, but our Christian life will actually be sustainable. So our sermon text today from John 15, what it actually reminds me of is it reminds me of that announcement that you hear every time you get on an airplane where the flight attendant steps out and says, if the cabin loses pressure, oxygen masks are going to drop from the overhead area. And this is the rule. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose first before assisting others. If you're a parent, flying with a kid, this feels very backwards. If the plane, you know, heaven forbid, starts going down, the first thing you want to do is put the oxygen mask on your kid. But if you pass out from lack of oxygen, now neither one of you has oxygen. And so it's wise, it's smart to take care of yourself first, place the mask over your own nose and mouth before assisting others. But they didn't have airplanes in Jesus' time. So Jesus used a much better metaphor, and he used a picture that made a lot of sense for the wine country where he was conducting his ministry. He's talking to a bunch of disciples from Galilee. And so the way that Jesus phrased this idea was with the picture of a vine. And he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that makes sense even to those of us that are not grape farmers, right? Like if you take a grape branch off of the vine and if it goes and and puts itself in the middle of the yard all on its own, it's not going to keep on growing. It's not going to last very long. It's certainly not going to produce any grapes. And in the same way, if a Christian were to separate themselves from Jesus and go try to live off by ourselves, we're not going to last very long. And certainly 
we are not going to be producing many fruits of faith either. But who would ever be so foolish as to do something like this? What uh, branch would ever voluntarily remove itself from the vine? What Christian would voluntarily remove themselves from Christ? Well, it doesn't happen all at once. It happens subtly and gradually in stages where maybe we don't even recognize it happening. And so there's kind of a warning here. The warning is about what is in our heart by nature, our sinful nature that we all were born with. I think the best way to summarize it is that we have a sinful nature which turns us into spiritual toddlers. Spiritual toddlers. So do you know the toddler mission statement? I think you probably do. It's five words long. You can say it with me. I can do it myself. This is the toddler mission statement. And any parent who has ever raised a toddler knows these types of situations that you get into. So it's like, I can tie my shoes by myself, even though you know that in two minutes they're going to have to ask you for help and you are going to actually have to tie their shoes. Or I can ride my bike with no training wheels by myself, even though what that actually means is you're going to have to have one hand on the handlebars, one hand on the little handle thing behind the seat, and you're going to have to like sideways walk and it's going to hurt your back, right? They can't do it themselves. Or how about this one? I can pour a bowl of cereal by myself. When in point of fact, they cannot. And if they try to, there is going to be milk and cereal all over the floor. But we're familiar with this toddler mission statement. And thankfully, a lot of this is, is kind of cute and fun and like it's messy or it hurts your back. But like this is part of growing up. And this is part of learning that maybe you can't do everything by yourself and, and sometimes you need help. Fortunately, toddlers grow out of this. But what if they didn't? So could you imagine if we all maintained the toddler mission statement even as adults? I'll give you just one example. Imagine a wilderness explorer who is about to cross a vast desert, but with his toddler mindset, he refuses to listen to anybody else and he refuses to pack water in his bag. Leave me alone. I can do it myself. And he sets off across the wilderness. And the first few miles, it's pretty nice, like warm sun, blue sky, open spaces. And, and then he starts to get warm. And pretty soon he's sweating. And the desert wind is drying out his mouth. And pretty soon his body temperature is rising to unhealthy levels. And pretty soon he's getting dehydrated. And if he doesn't get water soon, he's toast. Because in point of fact, he could not do it by himself. He needed fuel. He needed supplies. So not only would it be dangerous for an adult to live their whole life with the toddler mission statement, I can do it by myself, but probably pretty soon it would be lethal. And yet, spiritually speaking, this is the natural condition of all of our hearts. Now, we do have a new heart now. You have a new heart of faith as a Christian. God's Holy Spirit lives in you, and he's given you a new heart that wants to serve God and worship God and, and serve others with your life and share the gospel and, and do the things that are good and right. You've got that new heart, and yet, the whole time, you still have that voice of the sinful nature, whispering the toddler mission statement in your ear, even about your Christian living, saying, I can do it myself. Have you heard that voice? from your own sinful nature. Maybe it sounds like this. I know what it means to be a Christian because I've been one my whole life. 
And so I don't have to go to church every Sunday. I don't have to attend another Bible study. Those things are for the new people who are learning about Jesus for the first time. Have you heard that voice in your life? Maybe it sounds like this. I know what it means to be a Christian because I'm one of the most active and involved Christians that I know. I am always working. I am always serving. I am trying to let my light shine every single day. I don't have much time in my schedule for devotion or Bible study, but let's be honest, I don't need it because I've spent enough time studying the teachings of the Bible. Like Now it's time for me to live it. Or maybe the voice sounds like this. I know what it means to be a Christian because I'm a pastor. (laughs) I teach and preach the Bible for a living. I study it in Greek and Hebrew. I am literally a professional Bible expert. And there's no reason that I should have any problem living a Christian life and giving grace to the people around me and raising my kids correctly and having the right priorities. I mean, I teach God's word to people for a living. I don't need to take more time to meditate and study on God's word for myself. But do you recognize the toddler mission statement in all of those ways of talking about it? I can do it by myself. But that sinful nature toddler is a liar. Because statistically speaking, there is a direct correlation between pastoral burnout and a slipping devotional life. Statistically speaking, when pastors burn out of ministry, when they fall into some kind of scandal, very, very often it is tied to, they'll say, leading from a place of emptiness. But it's not just pastors. It's Christians overall. I, I bring this up a lot. You know, I talk to lots of people in Atlanta that at one point in time were very involved in church, and now they're not. And I like to ask people, like, what happened? And one of the main reasons people give is that they say their church experience was all about give, 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 and do, do, do. And it was all about filling everybody else up all of the time, pouring yourself out for everybody else, so that finally you, when it comes to church, are left exhausted and empty. When it comes down to it, when it comes to living a Christian life, doing it yourself is not sustainable. But in fact, doing it yourself is not even possible. Just like every grape branch needs a steady diet of water and minerals coming up through the roots and then being distributed by the xylem and the phloem, right? You guys remember that from biology class? I was looking up all kinds of plant stuff this week, but all this nutrients and water coming up from the roots and then being distributed outward to the branches, and that's the power for bearing fruit. In the same way, every Christian needs a steady diet of gospel comfort flowing into us personally from our Savior Jesus. We constantly need to be reminded that despite our flaws and failings, God loves us. God loves us so much he came into our world and came into the suffering and pain of our world and took on a human body for us. God loves us so much that he died for us. And we constantly need to be reminded, not only did Jesus' blood on the cross wash away all of our sins and everything we've done wrong, but Jesus' perfect life, his perfect moral life, covers over even everything that we've done right. All of our Christian service, all of our good works, all of the stuff that we're doing for God, that's been covered over by something even better, even more perfect, the flawless life of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have been made right with God. 
Because of Jesus, we are God's children. Because of Jesus, we are going to go to heaven. And it's only through Jesus that we're going to accomplish anything for God here in this world. But we need to hear these things over and over again. In fact, the more and the harder we work for God, the more gospel comfort we need. Because without constantly being reminded of that refreshing forgiveness from Jesus, we are going to automatically default to starting to do everything ourselves. So that even though we may look very good and productive, you know, active Christians on the outside, on the inside, we're withering away, we're emptying out, we're shriveling and dying. Ironically, a fall from faith does not often begin with laziness and spiritual apathy. Very often, a fall from faith begins with frenzied activity. Serving God, serving others, pouring ourselves out to the point of exhaustion, but doing it on our own. Digging deeper and deeper inside ourselves for strength and motivation until we wake up one morning and we realize there's nothing left. We've become disconnected from the vine. And what happens to a branch that gets completely disconnected from the vine? Well, every gardener knows the answer to this one. Jesus says such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And so it is for any person who finds themselves standing alone before God on the last day, still stubbornly maintaining, I can do it myself. That person is going to end up by themselves, separated from God forever. So, let's take a step back. And what exactly is Jesus doing here? Is he trying to scare us? Is he trying to terrify us and his disciples and make us think that we actually might be going to hell? He's not. If we think he is, we've got to look closer and you recognize there's a verse snuck right into the middle of this, right where maybe we start getting worried about these branches and this fire. Jesus gives us a reminder, and this is what he says. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Because of everything Jesus has done for you, because of your faith, because of your baptism, you are connected to Jesus and all that he has accomplished. You are God's child. You are clean and forgiven. You are going to heaven. But meanwhile, you also are a branch that God wants to use to bring fruit in this world. In fact, Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. But if we're going to bear fruit, we need fuel. We do. And so Jesus says, remain in me, as I also remain in you. And if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And so, brothers and sisters, my encouragement to you this morning is simply this. Remain in him. Don't try to do it all yourself. Don't try to serve God with your life without your fuel. Don't spend your whole life filling other people up while you yourself are being emptied. But rather, create routines in your life where you just personally by yourself can drink deeply from the fountain of God's grace. Maybe that means attending one of the five new Bible studies that we're launching at church this week. Maybe that means taking that kind of ambitious Bible reading plan that you were going to do and you've just been thinking about it and you're like, all right, now I'm actually going to do it. But maybe it's more simple than that. Maybe it means downloading the Bible app 
And before you go to sleep tonight, going to Psalm 1 and reading Psalm 1, which we read, it's only eight verses long. And read Psalm 1 and say a prayer and think about God. And then tomorrow night, read Psalm 2 and say a little prayer and apply it to your life. And the next night, read Psalm 3. And there's 150 psalms, so it'll take you a while. And even by the time you get through the book of Psalms, that's 150 days of refreshment and encouragement from God just for you, to equip you for your Christian living. Maybe it means listening to our sermons on a podcast, going to Spotify. And by the way, we do have a Spotify channel because maybe on Sunday your kid was mauling you and you couldn't hear anything in the sermon and now you can listen to it while you drive to work. So maybe it looks different for all of us. But if you can get to a point, if we can get to a point where we are thinking of God's word and even Bible studies as not something I have to go do, but instead the fuel source for my whole life, if we're thinking of God's word that way, now we are onto something. Because when God is filling us up with gospel comfort from Jesus, that enables us to help and live and love and serve in a whole new way, with a whole new energy. In a word, it's sustainable. Because Jesus' grace and love for us is bottomless, it never ends. And so when we are connected to the bottomless, never-ending grace and love of Jesus, then we are never out of fuel and strength and encouragement. When we are tapped into Jesus, we are like a tree growing directly next to a stream of water. And a tree like that that is so nourished and so strong, it grows up healthy, it yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, whatever it does, spiritually speaking, prospers. Talk about personal growth. This is what God's word for you is for. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, your Savior. Amen.